I'm a very confident front runner. I've for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. I'm, how are we going to count all the shots? Do you, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course I would. That's a, that's a particularly stupid question. It's the Irish Open. Of course I want to play at the weekend. Okay, folks, welcome along to Golf Weekly. The Ryder Cup is here. We are pumped. We are feeling European. Peter Laurie, hello to you. Hello, Joe. Fionn Davenport, hello to you. Hey, Joe. And Mr. Europe himself, Nathan Murphy, will be along presently. He's uh, stuck in traffic, jetting into the office as we speak, but he's going to be along in the next few minutes. So, exciting times. Ryder Cup is here. I am noticing, Peter Laurie, a lot of people are saying, I'm pumped for this Ryder Cup. And I have to say, I'm one of them. I think it's... I think Europe are, are, are being pushed into that major underdog situation uh, like they always are. But this year, it seems to be even more. Everybody is quoting where America have the best players, their their world ranking is better, they hit it further, uh, the golf course is going to suit them, they're on home soil, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I just think... You know, we, we when they set themselves up like that and when the commentators and, and other people set America up like that, uh, it's always um, worth a watch. Yeah. A lot of things brewing as well, which we'll get into. So a few bits of housekeeping. I've been away, actually. It's nice to be back in the bosom of Golf Weekly, I have to say. So uh, Dermot Galise was an off the ball last night, one of the... Golf Weekly Deals is we only podcast our OTB golf content here. So Dermot Gleese is waiting for all you guys exclusively. Podrick Harrington is going to be released tomorrow. So kind of cool. We're thrilled to have Harrington on like a week out. So it's going to be interesting to pick his brain and see where his thoughts are a week out. So that will be released tomorrow. And of course, the four of us together for the first time in a while today, which is great. So a um, few things to let you know about. Brilliant competition for you. 250 euro McGurk's golf voucher to give away. All you have to do to enter is to tell us at what course this year's Ryder Cup is being played on. And there's going to be a Discord channel set up for the entries. So it's that easy. I mean, it does strike me that if you go onto the Discord channel and don't know the answer, you may see several other answers. But however, we're going with Discord. So really, you should get this one right. So it's a Discord channel. Obviously, you have to be a subscriber to uh, join on Discord. And happy to say as well these days, Golf Weekly, coming to you in association with Sky Sports to join or upgrade today for just €20 a month for six months and watch the Ryder Cup exclusively live. You can search Sky Sports Golf. So a lot to get through. I mean, we've got to talk picks on both sides. We had uh, Wentworth on Sunday, Billy Horschel with a 65 to win. Always a very elegant, good looking man, I think, Billy Horschel. Uh, celebrated uh, by having dinner with Declan Rice, no less, Fionn. Yeah, he's a class act, isn't he? He, uh, he, yeah, I agree. Handsome, yeah, kind of uh, one of those attractive golfers in 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 every sense. You know, uh, I I liked. I can't remember whether they told the story on the broadcast or I heard it from somebody else. But that when he won the FedEx Cup, whatever number of years ago, is that he would constantly go to check his balance in the ATM with the sheer delight of having earned at the time, whatever it was, $10 million. And just, you know, Billy Horschel is, is certainly wealthier than I'll ever be. But, um, but there was something charming about the story that it wasn't that he didn't just take it as like, yeah, whatever million here, million there, that he was so thrilled <laughs> with winning that he would look at his ATM balance, uh, which is something I've often dreamt of doing myself. And not be blasé about it. Yeah, no, it's nice. Very stylish golfer, good golfer. Bit mm. unlucky, Peter, not to have made a Ryder Cup here or there. Yes. Um, and, you know, as you say, he, he does everything pretty decent. You know, good ball striker, good pitcher, good putter. Um, change caddy this year, um, if you've noticed. Um, Justin Rose is all caddy. Um um, and they seem to have gelled very well together. Um, so surprising that he didn't get a look in at the Ryder Cup at all. You know, he spoke about not even getting a phone call from Steve Stricker, mm. uh, which was very surprising because I thought he would have had a chance. 
given mm. that Steve Stricker's talked about having so many phone calls with so many players, yeah. So mm. Billy Orschel wins. He goes off. He has a dinner with Declan Rice to celebrate. Big West Ham fan. And then uh, Padraig Carrington makes his picks. And so at this stage, uh, Bernd Wiesberger and Matthew Patrick have secured automatic spots. So he goes for never in doubt Shane Larry. Never in doubt Shane Larry. Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia. Justin Rose makes a late run with the 65. And so he's overlooked. Thoughts on the picks, fellas? I think Poulter and Garcia were in for a long way out, I would suspect. And then... Harrington obviously had to wait and see who was going to make it automatically. And so he goes for Larry. He seemed to say that he was very uh, worried, Peter, that he was being biased and was constantly checking with his vice captains to say, I am doing the right thing here with Larry. This isn't my friendship taking over and tell me if it is type thing. I, I think we all know what Boric, um, uh, and I certainly do. Um, he... <laughs> I want to say you don't get that close to Porik. I don't think anybody does. That he, you know, he wouldn't be ruthless enough to not pick you, um, because when he makes up his mind, he 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 certainly thought about it many many times. Um, and Shane has made uh, huge improvements this year. You know, or over the last couple of years, um, and he was worth the pick. Um, my my questioning on Porik was. Maybe I would have went with Rose rather than Poulter, um, but that's just me. But he, I, I, as they said in the papers quite a few times, he kind of nailed himself to the cross with with um, Garcia and Poulter a long time ago um, because he said, you know, they'd have to have something wrong with them for them not to get picked. Yeah. So. Um, I had an interesting exchange on Twitter with uh, a guy called Nick Bonfield, who's a content editor for Golf Monthly. And he had tweeted earlier in the week something that the more he thinks about it, he finds the pick of Poulter over Rose shocking, which I thought was an interesting. And so he and I kind of got back and forth about it. And and uh, like he, had, he, had, he didn't really have any questions about Shane Larry. He felt that of the three, Shane Larry was the most deserving in terms yeah. of like most solid amount to play. But what was interesting was he made a point about Poulter and it kind of echoes what Peter just said. He goes, um, I'm, you know, I mentioned that in the FedEx Cup that Poulter is third in strokes gained putting on the PGA Tour this year. He's ranked much, much higher in the, in the FedEx Cup position. And, uh, but he makes the point that for all of Poulter's Ryder Cup persona and the postman and all the rest is that he hasn't had an above average Ryder Cup for nine years, you know, and that in the last two Ryder Cups, his record is, you know, it's fine. It's two, two wins, three losses, two halves. Um, having said that, he is unbeaten in singles, you know, with five wins and one half. So he, he yeah. felt that Rose was the one will be he, every right to feel maligned. I was just checking uh, Poulter's recent form in so much as it is relevant to Poulter at the Ryder Cup, but I was checking it nonetheless. And I've looked, by the way, at a good few of the players and a lot of Europeans are not in form, which we'll get to later on. But Poulter, seeing as he's come up, missed the cut at Wentworth. So, I mean, that doesn't inspire confidence. You'd prefer if you're Harrington picking him today, could you do me a favor and make the cut? Poulter mm. misses the cut at Wentworth. Before that, then, uh, the USPGA, he was 31st. In fairness to him, unlike a lot of guys, actually, who were on the team, 10th at the uh, FedEx WGC. So a 10th place finish there showed some signs of life. He was 26th at the British Open. He was 40th at the US Open. In May, he had a third place at the Charles Schwab. So it's not disastrous, Peter. It's not like Poulter's form is totally on the floor. You can see the logic there. There's enough form, maybe, in what I've read out there with that 10th at the uh, WGC and the third at the Charles Schwab. There's enough form there to take a chance on Poulter's Ryder Cup magic, I think. There, there, there definitely is. Look, he has the experience, um, and, and that was the biggest key of all. But it, this is his third time to be picked um, as a wild card. It's also we have to look back at Justin Rose. It, Justin Rose was number one in twenty nineteen. Hmm. He was world number one. Um, and like we say, Shane, you know, won the Open in twenty nineteen, and that's why pretty much he's on the team. Um, uh, Justin Rose was also injured for most of the end of 20 to 20 in, into 21. Um, so I, I, I was just like, I, I texted our group thinking 
um, that there would be some tough love sent out here and and a um, Poulter would be the person that was the man that was going to be dropped. But um, I was wrong. And, and look, you know, no doubt Porik has and, and, and his a, um, Ryder Cup um, colleagues um, ha- have certainly looked at it and um, said, look, who do we want in the room? You know, do we want... Mm-hmm. A guy who's fully behind the team is going to go. To, who's going to get the team pumped, or do we want a guy who's you know kind of? I wouldn't say the quiet assassin, but he certainly um, he produced the goods when he has to in the past in Ryder Cups. Mm-hmm. His famous win against Mickelson. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, you know, I- I- in my opinion, I-, I I would have I would have definitely if it was me picking, I would have picked Rose rather than Poulter. Is Peter like? you kind of touched on it, the, the X factor of, I mean, we don't know what it's like inside in the team room. Is Poulter the guy you want who's going to G up Wiesberger or be able to kind of make Hovland relax or, you know, get a gel well with Garcia, whereas maybe Rose is, I don't know, is he quieter? Is he more focused on his own game? Is he the kind of guy that doesn't perhaps you know, give of himself to, you know, for the benefit of the team. He's got a lot of brands to look after. There's a lot of activations, well, a lot of tweets. Uh, he'd know fair, the like, time. Rose's he'd tell record, you the time. Rose's record with Stenson, like, was off the charts. I mean, yeah. Molly would have kind of stolen the headlights a little bit of late, but I mean, the Stenson-Rose combination for how many Ryder Cubs was kind of off the charts. So I'd say he does feel hard done by. I, he strikes me as a bit of a team player, I'd have to say, mm. Peter. Yeah, he look Justin Rose off the golf course is one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Um, very very mannerly, um, and very respectful. Um, so I can't not knowing what the team room is is like, so I can't give you an answer there. Mm. Um, but knowing the players that I do know, um, and have sat down and lunch with them, played golf with them, you know, chatted to him on the range, um, I would have said Justin Rose was probably as good as anybody else to be in a team room. We'll talk a bit more about Europe in a second. So that's how Anthony makes his announcements. And then Stricker has six picks. I mean, you forget Stricker had so many picks. The screwing of Patrick Reed is the story here. And it tells us so much about the American team. So uh, Patrick Reed, 28 years of age this stage, uh, has won all his singles matches in Ryder Cup history, won all his three singles matches, not least against Roy McIlroy in that epic. Double pneumonia strikes him. He recovers. Patrick Reed drives to Atlanta, plays the Tour Championship. He plays 72 holes. He finishes in the top 20. His two under par score is bettered by only two of the six that Stricker picked, by the way. And Patrick Reed finished 11th on the qualifying list. This guy wasn't like 13th, 14th looking for a pick. He finished 11th and he missed three big events when he was in hospital. So Stricker is saying, I lost sleep. You know, the uncertainty over his health. I apologize many times to him. I don't buy any of this for a second. I think Stricker saw the opportunity and I think he may have done the right thing. And, here, you know, that's the kind of question to debate. He saw the opportunity to leave a problem at home. And Patrick Reed mm-hmm. is a problem at the Ryder Cup and he took it. So, like, straight away, you can see why he did it. Because uh, Reed takes to Twitter and starts liking all these tweets bemoaning his absence. You know, and this is mm-hmm. like, this is classic Patrick Reed and Justine when the Ryder Cup was on, she was doing the same thing at uh, Le Golf National. So he's liking tweets on Twitter that say, the team is not complete without Patrick Reed. Le- leaving <laughs> Reed off the roster, best American Ryder Cup record, only player with perfect singles record, etc. They couldn't even try to explain why at the news conference. So Patrick Reed's at home. He's liking that. He likes a bunch of others and then he unlikes them afterwards. By the way, how dumb to be liking this stuff on Twitter. I'm even careful about what I like on Twitter and no one's putting that in the newspapers. Uh, Reed liked a tweet calling Stricker a coward. And I thought that was very instructive. I think he Mm. thinks Stricker is a coward because Stricker has said that he solicited opinion from everyone, from the six automatic picks, from a couple of those outside. 100%. The vast majority of those US players said to Stricker, don't pick him. He is just trouble. I heard Hank Haney say that uh, Reed's nickname is Dinner for One on tour. <laughs> That's right. I heard that as well. Yeah. They just do not like him. And go back to 2018, Le Golf National. 
So Reed and Speed have been a good combination. Speed wants to play with Justin Thomas. Reed brings this up like Phil Mickelson style in the press conference, yeah. like leans down and you know looks at Speed, and Speed kind of can't even make eye contact. He's so embarrassed that he he almost can't believe like Glen Eagles press conference is happening all over again. And then a month afterwards. Uh, Reed is still talking in the press about this and talking to various publications. And he's uh, saying about the Ryder Cup, uh, you had to look at the breakdown of all the guys on the team and what was best for the entire team, not just one or two individuals. So you split up Jordan and me, right? And then you split up Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler, who had played great golf together. Groupings that have been proven to be successful in that format. So was it about the team or about one or two individuals? And this is like a month after, so he's still going on about it. He was asked that he's spoken to Speed since he said he has my number. So, like, I'm putting it to you this way. Stricker has enough on his plate with DeChambeau and Kepka, And we'll get on to Kepka's interview later on, which is fascinating. There is no way, there is no way you do not want Patrick Reed, the player, on this team. So, Scotty Scheffler gets this pick. Scotty Scheffler is a good player. 14th on the uh, qualifying list. He's had a couple of top 10s in majors. But like Scotty Scheffler's never won a tournament. If you're John Ram on Sunday going out in front of a partisan crowd, leading the team out, do you want to see across from you Patrick Reed, major winner, or do you want to see Scotty Scheffler? Now, that's a rhetorical question, folks. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Stricker, I don't know if it's a good decision or not, but it's absolutely not based on Reed's health. Reed played no. 72 holes. He's another couple of weeks to practice. I mean, if this was, you name any others who are in, you know, any of that, any of the, the core group, they're in. They're in. So I think it's so instructive as to like how disruptive Stricker must think Patrick Reed is. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, from a, just a purely golf playing perspective, there is no, there's no rationale for not picking him. You, you you highlighted exactly what strengths he has. His Ryder Cup record is is very very good. Um, I was doing a little. I was writing an article about the Ryder Cup um, for a publication just the last few days, and as far as I can tell, before the press conference at Le Golf National, he'd already given an interview to the New York Times in which he bemoaned. Said Jordan Jordan doesn't like me, so he doesn't want to play with me. And then had a pop at Jim Furyk for listening to Jordan and not sticking with the pairing that had done well in previous Ryder Cups and also the President's Cup. And like, then you call Steve Stricker a coward. It's like, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the Brooks interview and 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 the kind of fundamental cultural issues that the Americans have in terms of sacrificing individual for the sake of the team. But um, yeah, but like everything you're right. Because it, it, if I'm he's just a toxic presence, it's presence. And if I'm stricter as well, and so say I'm saying to myself, well, maybe the concerns about his health are legitimate, but like Patrick Reed pretty much always delivers when he's playing. I don't mm. have to play him all five matches. I can play him once Thursday morning, once Friday afternoon and sometime on or, or Saturday afternoon rather Friday and Saturday afternoon and then Sunday as well he can play three matches but like if I'm Stricker I'm thinking oh man like if he's not happy with that I'll have Justine social media warrior like waging war on me there'll be headlines so and I always remember at Le Golf National when they were going to the press conference they were either leaving the press conference or going to it I think it was going to it and they're all getting boogies because you know big place and the boogies are like seating two and then a couple of players are like you know the way you can sit on the back of them as well or stand on the back of them and so there's like bunches going of the US team and I just always remember it's Patrick Reed being driven on his own like they just did not want to be (laughs) around him they did not want him on the team and so the reason Reed has liked the comment saying Stricker's a coward is because he's he's figuring that Stricker has talked to the rest of them and they've all said no no chance if we can leave him off dump him off that's my reading of Peter. It's hard to know if it's the right decision or not because there's Reed's contribution, which you would think would be pretty good in terms of points haul versus the team morale and Stricker's uh, got morale. I think, yeah, I think as as a captain, I think he's made a a tremendous choice here. Um, and if if we just look at it, why do why does America lose most Ryder Cups? 
Um, it's not that they can't play golf. It's they don't seem to be able to gel together in any shape or form. It they all seem to be far too many individuals trying to, you know, pop their head out of the bag and you know be the alpha male. Um, and and I think America have learned over the last couple of years, and and Stricker got this golden opportunity to leave, as you said, one of his problems by the wayside. Um, he still has other problems in the team with Bryson and Brooks. But that might settle itself out. Who knows? One of them might not play. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's made a tremendous decision, and it, it reminds me of Savvy's decision in Valderrama um, when Miguel Angel Martin was supposedly injured. Um, mm. He wasn't playing his best golf. Um, oh, right up to he had qualified very early for the Ryder Cup. And all of a sudden, he wasn't on the team. He was injured. Mm. Um, and somebody else who was playing better was brought in. Mm. So uh, as a as a master stroke of a captain, I think a, um, I, I, I think Steve Tricker has done a wonderful job here um, and left Patrick Reed where he, where he belongs, um, playing golf by himself. <laughs> <laughs> One of the uh, tweets which caught my eye I mean, this just captures the perspective in the world at the moment. So on Patrick Reed being left out, somebody tweeted, this is Captain America you just took away from us. I'm boycotting this event and it breaks my heart at Steve Stricker that you did this to our country. <laughs> did you see uh, Hogan's uh, speech when he when he did the Ryder Cup, uh, when he managed the Ryder Cup? Um, he said, I'm going to put all the wayward drivers together and the guys who hit it straight together. And you know how to win. And if you don't win, you have to report. You're going to be, you're going to see how unhappy I am. Okay. And that was it. You just let them this have is, it. This is Hogan. This was Hogan, yeah. Uh, there was a logic I, to it before stats. Um, very happy to say Mr. Team Europe has joined us. Not in Poulter. Nathan Murphy, hello. Hey, I always deliver. Well, what's the opposite Sometimes. of the I'm like, I'm more FedEx? like fast line <laughs> FedEx. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll happen eventually, but just don't bank on it when I say it's going yeah. to happen. I'm 22 God. minutes late, but I'm, I've delivered. <laughs> God, I'll tell you, the, uh, the free listeners, uh, the, the, the cheapskates, uh, geez, they got some hot takes there. Peter was uh, going on a proper takedown of Patrick Reed. Has he, yeah. has he not had double pneumonia? Well, this, yeah, is, it, this is the yeah. nonsense I was calling it. This is... You don't stricter. think he had it? Oh, no, I think he had double pneumonia, but I think he's fine. I think he's recovered. He drove like 20 hours to Atlanta. He finished 17th. He beat a bunch of the guys that um, Stricker picked. He likes a load of tweets calling Stricker a coward. I think Stricker has talked to everyone, and they've all said, for the love of God, don't take him. He's toxic. We were just uh, going over some of the various issues he's had. So I think, and, and Peter thinks it's a good decision. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. It's hard to know just how toxic he is. I suspect pretty. I don't think um, Stricker wants Justine tweeting and having to go at him every five minutes on Twitter and making the papers. Like <laughs> no. he's got a, the man's got enough problems. Uh, yeah, and that's going to happen. Is the other thing. Like, there's no guarantees if you were to pay Patrick Reed and say, "Patrick, are we going to have a nice week? Are you going to be a good guy here? Maybe it can be start of a new Patrick Reed, a nicer, more relaxed Mister Proper Team America." Uh, but is that on? Is is everybody around Patrick Reed going to be agreeable to that? Seems unlikely. And like Patrick Reed will have a nice week as long as he's getting his way, you know. So um, we'll come back to the two respective teams. We should talk about this Brooks Kepka interview, which has really captured a lot of people. Peter, I sent it on to you. What did you think of it in broad terms? I read it first, and I thought, "Wow, what an idiot!" And then I read it again, and I went, <laughs> "What a genius!" Why? why no, no. I, I read it again, and I thought. Here is a guy who, who does pretty much what I do is just say what I think, right, without a filter, to a point. And he answered all the questions without filtration. He, he kind of said, look, it's a pain in the ass to do this. It's a pain in the ass to do that. I'm not really bothered, you know, to a point. And so can we condemn him? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I you should all read this. I'm sure, given who I'm talking to here, listeners, you all have read this already. It's on Golf Digest. Just search Brooks Kepka interview. You'll get it. 
like there's tons of, before we get onto the Ryder Cup stuff, there's just tons of interesting bits and bobs, which I really enjoyed. And you kind of think to yourself, God, it's a pity more golfers don't do these kind of interviews for golf fans. Like even I found the equipment stuff really interesting where he's talking about how DJ switches drivers, you know, nonstop and equipment nonstop. He says, um, you know, you might not think DJ switching, but he'll have like five drivers with him for the week. He's always switching putters or a three iron five wood combo. And then he says, I still have a Nike three iron. That's five years old. I still play an SM4 Vokey wedge. What are they on now? SM8? If it works, why mess with it? I haven't tested a driver or a three wood shaft in seven years. So stuff like that, I mean, I think is great. Talked about how his family relationships aren't as good as they would be if I were a normal person. Sometimes I come home on and off week and I know my parents want to see me, but for two or three days I need to decompress. Goes on to say, you know, his brother wants to see him more. I don't get to see my my brother as much as I'd like. He says, for another 10 years, it's just going to be what it is. That's the sacrifice you make. Again, thought it was really interesting. I didn't realize he had a temper, which it seems was really bad back in the day. He was breaking stands on his bag all the time. Took him three, four years to get to grips with that. And then one last one that jumped out to me. He's asked about Tiger. In my mind, I'm going to catch him on majors. I believe that. I don't see any reason that can stop me. I'm 31. I have 14 years left. If I win one a year, I got Jack. People misconstrue that as being cocky. No. That's just my belief. Like this was amazing. I just thought this was great stuff, Nathan. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and you're right, you would love to see more players do this. I don't think many of them are honest. Or is it even honest from Brooks? I I would you there was yeah. there was about ten different things I took but one was even his sort of mild obsession with Dustin Johnson. Like he wasn't asked about Dustin Johnson, but he brought him up on two or three occasions about how he'd been watching what DJ did. And obviously they were either very close or they just shared a trainer and everyone decided they were the new JT in speed. But they, when Kepka burst onto the scene, if you can call it bursting onto the scene, considering how long it took him to properly emerge, there were a lot of comparisons with DJ and he still seems a little bit obsessed with DJ's mindset, which maybe they all are because, listen, everyone wants DJ's mindset. Uh, yeah, he's an interesting, interesting character. You kind of have to read it in his voice though, don't you? That real monosyllabic, mm-hmm. I don't really care about anything. What's the what's the point <laughs> of all this? Uh, whereas you're sort of reading it in the more exciting uh, tone. But I, I I like him. I think he's overstepped the mark with some of the Bryson stuff over the last six months. But in general, I really like his attitude. I like watching him on the course. And after reading this, I like him even more. Um, well, hilariously, without Bryson coming up, he gives a message, I think, to Bryson, which I just laughed out loud at. So he's talking about, like, can you overstep the mark when it comes to gamesmanship or things? But he And and so, like, he's not asked about Bryson here, but just imagine you're Bryson reading this for a second. Uh, he says, one of the biggest things now is that people have the hardest time taking accountability. You hear people say that they want to hear the truth, but when you tell the truth, it hurts. Most people aren't ready for it. What was that quote I heard? Sometimes the bully is telling you the truth. Sometimes you need to look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> So someone has clearly told him this quote that sometimes the bully is telling the truth. Well, I think uh, I think uh, not that he took it from what I said, but I think I said something similar a few weeks back that there is a big degree of truth in what he's saying. It's how he has let it explode among other people. Uh, The stuff that's obviously made the headlines is the Ryder Cup and he likes his routine. And I got to go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning because you got a team meeting when I usually go to the gym and then I just want to nap, but there's another team meeting. And even the interview says, oh, a smart captain would sort of let you do your own thing. And they're going, no, <laughs> that is not the answer. They don't. Just say, yeah. There's 12 individuals, do whatever you want, yeah. come together whenever you want. Right. But it sums up so much, again, <laughs> why the Europeans are so successful and the Americans aren't. You don't get the sense from Brooks Kepkin anyway that he's looking forward to the Ryder Cup. I I got the sense Mm. from Shane Lowry uh, that, uh, sorry, I think the Americans feel it's an ego thing that you have to be among the top 12 golfers in America. Like that is the success for them is that I have proven something by being chosen or selected or earning my spot on this American team and representing my country is an honor and I want to be there. Whereas I think Shane Lowry isn't thinking, well, this cements my status as one of the best golfers in Europe. All he's thinking is, I want to be there for the week. I want to see what happens. I want to be part of that team. I want to be in that team room. I want to be in the meetings. I want to have the crack with, see the other side of Rory McIlroy, see the other side of Lee Westwood. That yeah. it's, it's more a fun element to the European side than the Americans who clearly just want to do their own thing all the time and cannot accept 
that the routine has been put out of shape in any way because they're just so goddamn selfish. Yeah. Fiona, I was in two minds. Like, I thought there was something a little bit valid in what he was saying about routine. And like, I think mm. good captaincy, you should tailor things to suit certain routines. Like you don't manage everyone the same way. And I could appreciate what he was saying about how it's hard for him. Like he likes to switch off in a major week. That's how he gets the best out of himself. He knows what it takes. He likes naps. He get... he was talking about in France, there was a sign on the door saying no caddies allowed. And I was surprised mm. at that. I didn't, I that sounded like not a great atmosphere to create when the caddies are so essential in so many ways. So I kind of thought, you know what? There's a bit of validity here that maybe... The individual is not being managed and it's because these captains are not as practiced in the art of management but where i had like my head in my hands from a this is why usa are so bad in the Ryder cup was where he said like the lack of humility here he said it's tough there are times where i'm like i won my match i did my job what do you want from me i know how to take responsibility for the shots i hit every week now somebody else just hit a bad shot and left me in a bad spot and i know this hole is a loss like, mm. how at that point does he not go, oh, well, look, I hit my fair share of bad shots too, and sometimes people bail me out. Like, how can you play with someone who's thinking that? Like, imagine now playing with Brooks Kepka and you hit a bad shot. There's no empathy from him. There's no forgiveness. He's thinking to himself, geez, jackass, way to leave me in a bad spot. Like, I actually think that part is, is where you're, you're like, how is he that lacking in emotional intelligence? By the way, he only halved his singles match in Paris. So, you know, for yeah. all is like, I won all my matches kind of uh, nonsense. Uh, yeah. He didn't. I was like, oh, dude, who wants to play with Brooks Kepka after this? Yeah. Uh, look, as, as we all agreed, it was a brilliant article. Really, really interesting. Um, he is a fascinating guy. There's no question. And his there's a kind of a, the dark side of Rory McIlroy's honesty about him, you know, that like he's open and refreshingly open. So he'll tell you about his processes. He'll tell you about his family issues and, 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 and paints a, a much more complete and believable picture of what it's like to be a top grade athlete trying to figure it all out. But everything you said, Joe, I agree with. Um, a couple of things is like the idea of is like the truth teller. The concept of the truth teller is, is that the bravest thing you can do is tell the truth about yourself. You know what I mean? It's not about telling the truth about other people. It's tell the truth about yourself, you know? And like it's all well and good him telling the truth about other guys. But like, you know, you know, take 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 accountability. And, and I know he said as much. Um, but, but, but the point about here's the thing 10 of the 12 european players either live or maintain residency in the united states 11 of them have full pga tour cards you know so you have to think that john ram and rory mcelroy for the sake of argument who are um you know they're john ram is world number one are his processes really fundamentally that different to Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson. And so when you're prepping for a big tournament, whether a major or the players or the tour championship or whatever, are you not going through the same or versions of the same thing? So what I find always confusing is, is that why is it the Americans can't seem to figure out how to, how to spend, you know, um, 101 weeks over a two-year period doing things one way and then just parking it for this one week every two years, whereas the Europeans seem to manage it just fine. And and as for coming, like, is it a cultural thing? Because, you know, John Ram went to college in the United States. John Ram is a Spaniard, but to all intents and purposes, he's an Americanized Spaniard, you know? Yeah. So, so this is what I find really confusing. And... And I also think that one of the things is you won't hear John Ram, and certainly not Rory McIlroy now, maybe remember in 2009. Yeah, it's an exhibition match. It's just, just that big a deal to me, the Ryder yeah. Cup. Um, you would never hear Rory McIlroy dissing the Ryder Cup today, not weeks before the Ryder Cup. Because what it does is it puts his captain in an unenviable position. It puts, it's, you know, it's bad enough that you have Mickelson you know, calling out Tom Watson or Patrick Reed calling out Jim Furyk three years ago. But when Brooks Kepka in the middle of this flowing interview for Golf Digest more or less kind of throws the cat amongst the proverbial pigeons, yeah. 
it's just it's it's like a hair a rod for my back thank you very much they're so bad at this like selfishness oh. reigns suspicion reigns there's always like the anticipation of the recriminations afterwards like i'd say as they're playing sometimes they're thinking i wonder like i'm not happy about mm. this am i gonna say this afterwards like does everyone else think that this guy's an ass as well and like straight away so i read the comments from from kepka about you know God, yeah, I'm I'm doing my part and these idiots are hitting bad shots and putting me in a bad spot. And then we lost the hole. Thanks a lot, asshole. Straight away, I was like, who did he play with in 2018? The guy he played with most in 2018 <laughs> is Tony Finau, the world's yeah. nicest man. <laughs> yeah. Imagine you're Tony Finau reading this yeah. interview. You're like, you fucking dickhead. How dare but, you but, say this about to- me? But Tony's not watching, listen to this interview. That's for sure. Tony um, has read, sorry, Tony has read, they have all read this Kepka interview now. Yeah, and Tony Fina, absolutely. they're all looking at Tony going, didn't you play twice with Kepka in Paris? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Thanks a lot, Brooks. Peter, Peter, you'd be livid if you were Tony Fina reading that crap. Oh, you would do, yeah. You would. Oh, well, I certainly would be. Yeah, that's for sure. But I, I, I look at, the, you know, you go back on the article and you say, you know, the truth is great. And, you know, it, 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 Nathan has said it and you've said it, you know, it's great to hear this truth. And it, but is it really, though? Like, I you know, know do we really do we really want <laughs> we, people to tell the I truth? Know we do. We do. Yes. <laughs> no, but like like in any business. Hold on a second. Like in any business, you go into the office and, and somebody's bothering you. You don't go go. Fecker over there is really bothering well, me. You, at this you do. You <laughs> just Nathan ignore Murphy, us. Nathan Murphy's been known to, but anyway. Yeah, but you just—I don't know. I, I just. No, you're right. So sorry. Um, you're, for you're, us, you're, it's we're, brilliant. We're, we're talking to two different sides of the thing. From from our point of view, as golf fans, as journalists, it is amazing. Yeah. Long may it continue. If you're Team USA, yeah, eight days out from the Ryder Cup, and you've got a but, partner Brooks with somebody. Like, how do you yeah. feel now when you hit a bad shot and Brooks is looking over at you thirty yards away in the fairway? He yeah. is. You get, know, get out of that one, mate. <laughs> like you know, he's thinking, "Oh man, yeah. what a chump I'm playing with." So, um, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just amazed. I think Phil makes a good point, though. That you know, where you're talking about the gym and the good management and all that, but yeah, it, there comes a point where you need to bring a t- team together, and there's no question that. Roy McIlroy is the time he goes to the gym. John Ram is the time he goes to the gym. It may not be the same time, but at some point, people need to compromise, and we. You know, Paul McGinley often talks about the difference of managing a Rory McIlroy and a Stephen Gallagher. Like that is the art of management that you have to do that. But at some point, you need to have a team meeting. And if it's well, we can't have it at three o'clock because Brooks likes to nap. But then we can't have it at five because DJ has to eat at five. <laughs> Somebody has to compromise along the way, and yeah. he just seems completely unwilling to. Now maybe, and we're talking about this as if the USA never win a Ryder Cup. Like they. You know, one four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, the last time it was in America. So uh, they can pull it together. But I I find it interesting looking at a lot of the American analysis of the Ryder Cup and how different it is to over here, where they were saying they were. I saw a video of the post-European press conference when they won in 2018. It's like, oh, European press conference is the best thing about the Ryder Cup. You know, they've all had a couple of drinks and relax, and you're like. That's just a bit of crack, and there's nothing interesting about it. Like the best thing about the Ryder Cup is the American press conference oh, when lose. Without do, question, um, can you imagine if yeah. they lose, and Brooks and Bryson are sitting there, and the amount of questions that are going to come their way? Like, I, I just hope every journalist is dropping bombs on them. There's Brooks questions, there's Bryson questions, and there's Justine Reed just tweeted X questions. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what's coming. I do sure. wonder. I like it's it's it is worth noting on the Americans. This is the first Ryder Cup in 25 years where there's no Tiger or Phil. Like, I do think those two amazing genius players did set back the culture in that room because they were the alpha males. Phil wanted to be the leader, couldn't be with Tiger, a bit resentful. Tiger didn't give a crap for however long. Tiger wanted to be paid for the damn thing for a while. I do think they held back the culture in that room from naturally blossoming the way it did in the European team room. I actually think with the likes of Spieth and Justin Thomas and Tony Finau now, growing into it and taking control of that room without Tiger, without Phil. Because like they were just such freaks, Tiger and Phil, like in terms of their status. Those guys away from the team room, I think that, you know, Speed, Thomas, they're going to set a, such a better tone, more of a European tone. Now, the Brooks-Bryson thing is an issue and it's there. But I, I do think it's significant. 25 years of Phil and Tiger, I, I don't think that helped them. I think that was just a problem all the way through, whether they played together or not together. It was just, it was a lukewarm room. Do you remember um, how how um, 
Woods Tiger got off the plane in um, in Paris. Do you remember the video of him hobbling off the plane, uh, going to the going to the Ryder Cup? He looked as much as much interested as I was going to the shopping centre. He just, you know what I mean. He just had no interest whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. You look at the records. So Tiger, since nineteen ninety seven, when he debuted in the team of Valderrama, uh, and had to watch as Seve bustled around in that buggy, cajoling everybody. And um, he's played thirty three matches, lost over half of them. Phil Mickelson is the record breaker. He's played in twelve Ryder Cups since nineteen ninety three. 47 matches, but only has won 18 of them. So the, and with all respect to Ernie Els and whatever other names you want to throw into the pot, you're talking about the two marquee names of modern golf. Never really, just never really lit up the Ryder Cup. And, you know, the inference is, is that eh, they didn't care enough to. Yeah. Like, I do think it is their advantage that they're, gone maybe that's a crazy thing to say but like speed running that room is what you want oh yeah and that may be yeah. what happens because like we're obviously obsessed with brooks and bryson and all that might go on there but away from them it seems like a pretty solid american team clearly it's on paper the best american team there's ever been but you've got a lot of very likable figures in speed thomas marikawa cantley like, you know is dj gonna cause some issues i don't think so like no, so if no. everything if they can keep those that sideshow on the side i think they'll probably be just fine it, it, you just wonder with the americans uh, like the pressure will be on like with stricker would he put the two of them out together not a chance no, no. I, 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 not a chance it'd be a I, I, I think... play it'd be a serious flex if he put the two of them out yeah. together first and they won i mean that would be like whoa mm. and they'd have to shake hands um but, but, oh, but if you look at the US team now, right, and, and, and don't have a leader in the room, well, I, I think that's far better for them not to have this alpha male in the room. Yeah. I don't well, think they're all. An, I, don't, I don't think no, there is that's an alpha what I mean. in that room. Yeah, there isn't one. Yeah. So that's, I, I, I totally get your point in relation to Tiger and yeah. Phil, but not to have a, a Speeth or a Justin Thomas to take over. It's just everybody is nearly looked at as equal. And I think that that happens in the European team far more because they all kind of respect each other and treat each other well. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah. Mm. And Rory, you'd imagine, because Rory's been the marquee European for quite a number of years now. I mean, I know John Ram is world number one, but um, Rory has got that wonderful Irish quality about him. He's like, yeah, I know I'm the superstar, but lads, I'm just I'm just a regular guy and well, I'm going I to... Know, I know there was a dinner a while back and Rory made great efforts to get to it, you know, yeah. in a way that you couldn't bank on Tiger back in the day of, you know, it's just a dinner. I'll catch you again. But I think, you know, so Rory gets what a team environment is all about. Um, On team USA. So as you said, Nathan, outrageous looking DeChambeau, uh, DJ Brooks, Morikawa, Spieth, Thomas player of the year, Patrick Cantlay, uh, the winning machine that is Tony Finau. Uh, Xander Schauffele, <laughs> and then you've Daniel Berger, Harris English, and Scotty Scheffler. Like if that's bringing up the rear, that's pretty strong with those three. I wasn't sure about DJ's form, and then suddenly I realised eighth at the Tour Championship, he was sixth at the BMW before that, he was tenth at the FedEx, he finished eighth at the Open. Kind of forget DJ did well at the Open, so DJ's form's kind of recovered. But I was just curious in terms of like partnerships, it's always really hard to predict. So I just had a look at um, 2018 to see their partnerships. There aren't like it's amazing how much this team has changed in three years. So like the Ryder Cup in Paris, the four balls in the Friday morning, uh, Brooks and Finau, that's still an option for them. Obviously, Brooks and Finau, they went out and they beat Justin Rose and Ram. Again, these aren't options for the European teams either. In a lot of cases, Rose and Ram isn't an option anymore. But Brooks and uh, Finau won. Uh, Ricky Fowler was really good in eighteen. So. Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, again, not an option. They beat Rory and remember Torbjorn Olsen out with Rory. They won that match. Uh, JT and Spieth, they beat Casey and Hatton on the 18th. And then uh, Mollywood beat Reed and Woods. They just seemed to play Reed and Woods the whole time. So USA won that first session 3-1. Uh, the foursomes, which I guess is, you know, the trickier thing to pair right. Again, it was DJ and Ricky 
So that's not a partnership they can have. It was Bubba and Webb Simpson, not a partnership they can have. It was Phil and Bryson. By the way, could you think of a worse partnership in foursomes than <laughs> Phil and Bryson in Paris? I mean, that was insane. And they had JT and Speed. So that's only one foursome partnership of those that survives. On the European side, this was the 4-0 afternoon session where they uh, recovered on the Friday. Stenson Rose, not an option. Polter Rory is an option. They beat Bubba and Webb. Uh, Garcia and Norin. Norin's not an option. And of course, there's no Molinari. So they beat Speed mm-hmm. and uh, Justin Thomas five and four. They were obviously awesome. On the Saturday then, I'll wrap this up pretty quickly. Two more sessions. Brooks and Fina went out again. They were beaten by Rory and Garcia. So Rory and Garcia is an option. Uh, Paul Casey and Hatton is an option. They beat DJ and Ricky. Ricky's gone. Uh, Mollywood again. It was Woods and Reed. Like every time Tiger Woods got out of bed, he just saw Mollywood looking at them. Uh, beat them <laughs> f- four and three. Whooped them. And then JT and Speed. to be fair, this is tidy. JT and Speed did beat Ram and Poulter. So Ram and Poulter is an option. And then finally, afternoon foursomes. DJ and Brooks, which is an option, were beaten by Stenson and Rose. Uh, Garcia and Naran played together again. Not an option anymore. They played Watson and Simpson. That's irrelevant. Mollywood beat um, Woods and Bryson, five and four. And then the last one, Poulter and Rory, which is again is an option. Uh, they were beaten by Justin Thomas and Speed. So looking at that, Speed and Justin Thomas nailed on partnership. You would say Brooks and Finau more than broke even. So they'll probably play again if if uh, Brooks can bring himself to play with somebody else. And Brooks and DJ played once and lost. But I guess the point, Nathan, I'm making in a long-winded way is there aren't many options from Paris where you can say, oh, that's a guaranteed partnership I can pluck. Like Brooks and Finau and Spieth and uh, Thomas are about the only two you could say, I'm pretty sure we're going to see this week. Yeah, but in a way, this team is so much better than the team of 2018. Like yeah. it is, you just go through it. It is absolutely star-studded. Every single player in the top 21 in the world, and he has so many options. Like, could you go out in foursomes? I don't think you will. I can't see him playing Bryson in foursomes on Friday morning. But like, could you play Bryson and Colin Marikawa? Do you play DJ and Colin Marikawa? Like Marikawa plays both foursomes matches, you'd have to imagine, for the quality of his approach play. So there's loads of different options. Kepka and Marikawa is a perfect uh, foursomes partnership. Does he stick with Spieth and Thomas? You'd have to imagine he does. But then has Spieth's game changed quite a bit since three years ago? Like Spieth seems so much more reliable off the tee now. Yeah. Do you do something hmm. different? Uh, I, I, think think the, I think the friendship, the friendship card probably looms yeah, large with those exactly. two as yeah, well. It's an as easy, Patrick Reed will tell you, an easy selection, <laughs> and you just throw, you just throw the two of them out straight away. First <laughs> match, foursomes. Uh, like the foursomes is far more interesting on on Friday morning, and they they started four balls, didn't they? Four years ago or two yeah, years four ago? Bo- four, four balls morning, and then it was foursomes that Europe came back and won four 0 in the afternoon. Yeah, I just think they've so many good options because there's so many big hitters and so many guys whose uh, you know, strokes gained uh, approaching the green is unbelievably good that I wouldn't be too stressed. But it, yeah. like, could he? Could, surely he couldn't put out Bryson in the foursomes. I don't think so. I think no, that's crazy. not a chance. Like, your dream foursomes, I can't, like again, I, I just can't believe we didn't make more of this. I can't believe Phil and Bryson played foursomes. Phil literally was like, <laughs> I couldn't hit the ball. Phil was taking out people who weren't even on the range. He was so wild. And like Bryson, and it was Phil and Bryson in foursomes. I'd say Garcia and Naren looked at each other and said, is this a joke? Five and four. They didn't even have to play well. Hilarious. Uh, I presume your dream foursomes partner in that US team is Morikawa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I I, Um, I think he'd play, I'd say speed, foursomes first morning, speed and Thomas. DJ and Marikawa, maybe ooh, Kepka and Berger. And then yeah. Xander is it, very it, solid as well. Mm, he is. Mm. Maybe Fina and it, Xander. That's pretty I solid. I think a lot a, a lot more players will play three matches in, on the American team. They'll play mm. either a four, two foursomes and, a, and their singles or two four balls and their singles. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to switch them around quite a lot. I think Bryson will definitely play reduced number because his hands are wrecked from all the calluses that he's yeah. developed practicing for the long drive championship. <laughs> I, I, I think Porik has much more of a tougher time picking um, guys who are going to play foursomes, four balls, and not having guys left out just to play a singles match. Really? Well, so, Rory always plays five, and Ram well, so, is the world number one. 
so sorry, I was going to ask on Rory, right? So let's get into Europe then. That's USA. Really interesting. We've got loads more time to talk, I guess. Uh, John Ram, Tyrrell Hatton, Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Rory, Lee Westwood. Uh, record equaling, by the way, his 11th Ryder Cup equals Nick Faldo's record. Victor Hovland, Beesberger, Shane Larry, Ian Poulter, and Sergio. Take Rory for a second. Um, his form is terrible. Like the last time we saw him, he was wrecked. And he was like, I'm just hoping to get a bit of rest. And that's going to get me right for the Ryder Cup. Is Rory now, so you want to keep him happy. So I think obviously you're certainly going to play him in uh, one of the foursomes. The way Rory is playing to my eye is he has a lot of mistakes in him. Like he can still hit some brilliant shots. So I think Rory in a four ball, beautiful. Because it takes the pressure off Rory where he has a bad hole and the mistake kills him. He's got somebody there to pick up the slack. I'm not sure the way he's playing at the moment, you would want Rory ideally as your foursomes partner because of the mistakes. Now, I think you have to keep Rory happy so you don't take him out of both foursomes. But I would not, I'm really, I'm just fascinated to see. I wouldn't be shocked if Rory didn't play in one of the foursomes because of the mistakes he's making. There's no way just... he doesn't play in the first foursomes. No oh, way. Give him Rory. the first one. He give has the, to give play. The, yeah, no, give him the first, first one. one. But I, just, I wouldn't be surprised Saturday. And do you put him in with Poulter? Or do you put him in with... I, I know there's a feeling that he goes in there with Shane Lowry. I, like, that does, is, that a, is that a good partnership? It doesn't strike me as a particular partnership, yeah. as you say, with the way with the no. way both of them are playing right now. Yeah. I, there's also... Yeah. Um, Rory himself admitted that he ran out of steam against Reed at Hazeltine. He lost to Justin Thomas yeah. in his singles. Like, so when you're, if you're like, is five matches just at least one match too many? Like yeah. you definitely want Rory fresh in singles. Yeah. You don't want him running out of puff. So I, is that not an extra reason to definitely rest him in one of the sessions? I mean, you're going to like, he's obviously a marquee player. So you play him in the first one, but rest him in the second day foursomes. Who do you, who, Peter, at a glance, who would you put Rory with in a foursomes? Like four ball, it's less obviously in cricket, but in a foursomes? Um, uh, it, it, they're probably too strong of a pairing, but I'd probably put him with Garcia. Yeah, they played once as your, in Paris uh, uh, together. As your first foursomes match, you know what I mean? As your first to lead off the team. Um, but to be wow. honest with you, I, no. I, I, I could see. Big bad John Ram, first out. Friday morning, alongside Victor Hovland. Here we go. Smash then, it, baby. Then Rory. Then Rory out second. Would Would what you put Rory, Rory out with Paul Casey? Ooh. Don't know. I think Rory wants bigger names and more glitz. And Harrington has said this before he came became captain. He said that's what they took from Paris when he played with Torbjorn Olsson, and then they put him afterwards with Garcia and Poulter. Like they put Rory with Poulter in the foursomes on the Friday. And then on the Saturday, they put Rory with Poulter again. So he played with Poulter twice in the foursomes. And you wouldn't think their game squares up. Like Poulter is not used to playing from where Rory plays from and vice versa. I think they want as much electricity around Rory, almost to distract him and get him into a a different mode than worrying about his technique and all that other rubbish, which isn't working at the moment. So I would not be surprised if you see him with a Poulter type again. Although... Geez, I wouldn't be that fearful in a way of Poulter and Rory. There's a few question marks over both of them at the moment. But 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 Poulter's going to have to play at some stage. I I, I think he will play. Uh, and listen, maybe we can somehow word some questions to Harrington uh, when we're talking to him <laughs> that we get something. I I they have well, to first question is what happened uh, with Torbjorn Olsen and put him out with Garcia or Poulter. Like looking at Garcia's interview on Sunday night was even announced. He was absolutely buzzing. Yeah. Like he will get that emotional pitch that. You can't fake. And I think that was a problem. I think Rory thought it would just happen when he went out with Olsen and that he was so buzzed and he enjoys this event so much now that he would always almost be a Ian Poulter type figure. Whereas it's not him. Like Poulter's Poulter. And yeah, I think Garcia or Poulter, like the, all these guys do have to play. Like Bern Fiesberger does have to play. I can't imagine he, like, you're going to hold someone back for the singles um, at this stage. It's, it's a strange European team. Like I wonder, I'm sure he won't admit it. Is Harrington disappointed with how the last six weeks have gone? That nobody has made a run for this team. Like, there was no great controversy. I know some of the English journalists were saying Justin Rhodes's couple of good weeks and his uh, historical record at the Ryder Cup and how he played at Whistling Straits before meant he should have been in ahead of Shane Lowry. But you can't make a massive, massive deal about that. Nobody has gone on a run of winning a couple of times in the last six weeks. It it felt like a very straightforward decision. I think, honestly, I was looking at the form. Weisberger ruined it. 
Yeah. I was looking into the form here. There's a lot of lads not in form. Now, yeah. to what extent you want to park form when Ryder Cup comes around is debatable. Like Lee Westwood with his final round 77 at uh, Wentworth, his 11th Ryder Cup. He had that brilliant start of the season where he had those two duels with Bryson, so the players and the Arnold Palmer, two uh, second places. Like, since then, since March, he followed that up with, like, miscut, miscut at the Masters, 63rd Harbortown, uh, at Kiowa in the PGA, 71st, US Open 46th, the Open 59th. He hasn't had a top 20 finish all year, basically, mm-hmm. since the start of the year. 71st at Wentworth. So, Lee Westwood, that's a big question mark. Uh, you have Fleetwood, like he was 12th at Wentworth, but before that, Fleetwood, you know, because you're thinking where he was at Molinari. Fleetwood's uh, recent form, 65th, 46th, he was 33rd at the Open, 50th, 35th, missed the cut at the PGA, his last best finish, 14th in May at the Wells Fargo. Then Matt Fitzpatrick, again, missed cut at the Northern Trust. Before that, 57th, 55th at the US Open, missed the cut at the Memorial, 23rd at the PGA. Finished 20th at Wentworth, but that was his first bit of form in a while. Uh, we've talked about Poulter already. Some of the others are doing okay. Like Casey had a top 10 in St. Jude. In fairness to Hovland, he was 5th in Atlanta. Sergio, 14th in Atlanta is okay. 6th at the BMW. And then before that, it was miscut Northern Trust. And like you're talking like everything else outside the top 30. Like in May, he missed three cuts in a row. So you were kind of writing Sergio off at that stage. He's kind of come good late on. But like... I don't know. John Ram's red hot for obvious reasons. Hatton's in good form. There's a bunch of those guys where when you dig into the form, I don't know, Peter, how important form is, but like got to be coming in lukewarm, some of them based on that. Absolutely. And and Porik is going to have to have an eye to business on practice rounds of actually who is playing halfway decent. Yeah. Because if he looks at the form card, um, of the likes of Westwood, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, even Hatton to a point. Um, like he's struggling, really, isn't he? He yeah. he's going to say, right, we leave these guys maybe play maybe play four balls, but we can't put them in as a uh, foursomes partners, can we? So yeah, I think he's going to be in a difficult position. I hope it doesn't come to it, but I hope uh, the guys that they play more than one match. You know, yeah, that they actually play a foursomes or a singles. Or sorry, a foursomes or a four ball. Excuse me. There's never been a Ryder Cup that will sum up more than about the style of the two teams in that America is just so stacked. It's all about talent. There could be no excuses for that American team. And this European team is, I don't say average, because it's, it's, it's an old European team. There's a huge amount of experience. There's any amount of players who've had huge success in their career. But you would have thought probably 2018 would have been their last Ryder Cup. Maybe even 2016 would be the Ryder Cup. But the new talent hasn't come through. So you have Poulter, Garcia, Westwood, Casey still there hanging about. Mm -hmm. So does that team dynamic, does that make them somehow greater than this unbelievably talented American side like that is the entire setup for next week that America should win this and win this convincingly based on talent and everything we've seen but like that's the beauty of this yeah really nicely set up isn't it um it's and it's funny it goes back to an earlier point you were making Joe I think um whereas Harrington obviously has gone for experience he's gone to pack his team with players who've been there before who know what it takes to perform in a Ryder Cup um the absence of Woods, of Mickelson, the kind of a, a dust broom through the American team is actually to the benefit of the Americans, as if they're going, look, what else? we've lost seven of nine, we've lost 12 of the last 17 Ryder Cups going back to 1985. Something just wasn't working, despite the fact that virtually into every Ryder Cup, they go in as favorites. Sorry, that's the dog banging away behind me. Um, and uh, shut up. And shut uh, up, shut up, you tick. And uh, but uh, Stricker's Stricker or that the American Ryder Cup committee have gone. Look, what we want here is yes, we've got relative inexperience. Remember, Colin Marikawa was in college when when the Ryder Cup was at Le Golf Nacional. Mm. Um, but this is a team that, with the with two exceptions. G- seem to gel. They're nice guys. They're easygoing yeah. guys. 
they're also, as Nathan pointed out, phenomenally talented. Uh, like, I mean, if that isn't the formula for winning, I don't know. Like, Stricker would yeah. be like at the end of it going, guys, what more did you want me to do? <laughs> you know? The closer, the closer it gets to it, I do think US could win this comfortably, despite yeah. the much talked about fault lines in their dynamic. And that's always lurking. And if things don't go well for them early on, those cracks can become chasms and everything. But I don't know, like Peter, it's you can just not how it works. Sets. Somebody, somebody yeah, said no, to true, me, true, true, true. Somebody said to me the other day about the Ryder Cup for Europe. They said it's like an old boys club, um, and and probably be because you know Westwood's been there for so long, Poulter's been there for so long, Garcia, Casey, and then the backroom team that that Porik has put in place, and it, you'd question. You know, you'd have to question that person's logic, but you'd also question then their the way they look at things is because, as as Nathan has said, we we don't see any young guys coming up and and trying to get onto the team or 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 even you know get even close to it that they'd kind of deserve a pick. Um, I just wonder, did COVID have that effect on on Europe like no other team has or no nothing else has had that? it's kind of stunted the growth of, of the European players because they haven't had that much golf. I think that's a massive part of it. And I think that was relevant in the Solheim as well. When you looked at the world rankings of the players, it's virtually impossible for the European players in the Solheim to get up the world ranking because they weren't playing any golf. And when they do get to play, it's for tiny prize money. And likewise with the Europeans, the European tours have been massively stunted over the past 18 months, which is hasn't allowed players to build up momentum to win enough events on the European tour that they're playing more in America and they couldn't get enough world ranking points then to put some pressure on the world points list. So I think there is, even when we look at the world rankings and the strongest American team, I think all those European players, they have to come back and play in Europe the odd time as well. They have to come back and play three or four events where generally the world ranking points are greater in America if they just stayed there. So I think that affects the world rankings. But there probably is a bigger and it's post Ryder Cup. You look at the young Europeans have come through, John Ram and Victor Hovland. But they both came through the American college system. It's very, very difficult, it seems, for young players to come through the route you would have come through, Peter, which is, you know, Q School, European Tour, build yourself up. The way Shane Lowry, I know he exploded onto the scene, but like the American college. Oh, we just lost there. And, and, and the that's what we think is studio work, eh? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Jesus. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up, because we have to record Padraig Carrington and we're going to release that for you tomorrow. Uh, Nathan mentioned the Solheim Cup there, Fionn. The viewing figures yeah. are in. This was obviously a very entertaining Solheim Cup. Did the viewing public respond? Sadly, no, Joe. Sadly, no, it didn't. Um, so it was shown on NBC Saturdays. NBC window drew a 0.41, Sunday a 0.59. So they actually had um, uh, average viewership, uh, sorry, it was 878,000 on NBC. On the Saturday afternoon, the Golf Channel showed the coverage. They drew 0.28, 432,000 average viewers. They couldn't even break a million, despite the fact, as you said, that it was way more interesting than the Tour Championship. Um, And then conversely, the 2020 uh, tour championship which finished on Labor Day Monday that drew 2.42 that's 4 million viewers okay. um, I, I, like look it's disappointing perhaps not altogether surprising because it's not just that the Solheim Cup was going up against the tour championship the Solheim Cup also went up against other big sports but but still to draw like such low, relatively low numbers is you know however who knows? Uh, you kind of hope that just the sheer quality of it and the sheer enjoyment of it might, uh, you know, lead to whatever a growth in, in certainly in viewing figures. But yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty piddly. Um, in fairness, yeah, it was. Uh, fellas, um, we're only coming to the boil here. We've loads uh, to talk about next week. We're going to wrap this up because Padre Carrington is going to join us very shortly. So we'll release the Harrington podcast tomorrow, Friday for you. So it's going to be great to get his uh, thoughts. And then obviously a uh, podcast to come next week where we've loads more to talk about. The podcast was in association with Sky Sports to join our upgrade today for just 20 euro a month for six months and watch the Ryder Cup exclusively live. Search Sky Sports Golf. Great to have Sky on board with us. 
And then a brilliant prize for you, a very handy 250 euro uh, McGurk Skull voucher to be won. To enter, just go on to Discord. You'll see a channel there for entries and tell us at what course is this year's Ryder Cup being played at. And we will pick a winner on Saturday. So there you go. Uh, Nathan, thank you. Thank you. Fionn Davenport, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Peter Laurie, pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Paul Carrington coming your way tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. All my exes wear Rolexes, but I reside right here in Dardanelle. I'll pick it down. Little JD starter kid right here.